0: So, first Sunday I'm speaking, so bear with me, I will do my best to get all of this in when David said I have about 20 minutes, 30, okay, I'm not sure how long this will take me, Um, so I'm sure half of you or most of you have seen the video um, for the Come to the Table series, and so I wanted to tell you how that came about, is it just me or do I sound kind of funny on here, no, okay. Okay. Um, So, months ago I had this dream, and in the dream I just had this vision of a table, a long white table, just like you see in the video, and our team leaders were sitting and celebrating and laughing, as we normally do, but it was like a way prettier situation. Um, there were flowers, and we were, uh, uh, trees were above us, and I just had that glimpse in a dream, and there were some key people of the, in the church um, that were at the table as well. No idea what it meant, but I thought, well, it's probably, we're supposed to have this lifestyle of celebration, you know, the kingdom lifestyle, and so I went to Lauren and Jeremy, and I was like, we need a table. We're gonna need a table because I think we're gonna do a series about celebrating, and um, so he got the Swix, um, and they spent days building this table um, that you see in the video. So this took a lot more than you think. <laughs> and then, um, but I wasn't sure like that that was it. I wasn't sure what it looked like, and um, that's how God works. He just gives you like a little glimpse, and then you have to take the step and and say well, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm just going to go for it. And and then as you step, some other part of the vision is revealed, and that's just how life is. He doesn't give you this five-year plan. I wish he would. He just says, here's this, and do something with that, and then I'll show you what's next. And so there was um, just the step of action to ta- make the table and kind of guess what it should be a be about. And then there was that night when David was out of town and. I was sleeping, and I heard this big, loud knocking on my bathroom door, and I'm already freaked out as it is when David's out of town. I'm like on edge, and so, and it was the most real knock, and I know this sounds crazy to some of you, but it was a pounding knock on my bathroom door, which is connected to our master, master bedroom. I swear to you, I thought someone was at our, our window. So I look over at the clock and it's 2.22. And that didn't even strike me at the moment. I was more really just scared. I knew, I was like, what do I do in this situation? Because I'm not going to go be that girl that looks outside. I'm not trying to be the girl that goes like, <laughs> like let me go see. Wait, Who could be here? Because I'm going to protect myself. Um, so I just was like creeping and praying and just peeking um, out the window. And finally, I was like, you know what? The dogs didn't even bark. We have two really big dogs, and they bark at everything. Then it finally hit me. You know what? I think I'm. I think it was the Lord, and I think I need to pray. So I'm praying, and um, I would like to tell you that He just dropped this whole thing down on me right then and there. But no, just like to have me wake woke up for hours trying to figure out what He's trying to tell me. <laughs> So I was for hours like, what is it? You know, I knew a knock is like a wake-up call. It's a warning. I know there's something about that. i like, what? You know, I'm just asking for forgiveness, anything that I've been doing. <laughs> you know, like, what's the warning? I know, like, um, and then I, the next day, um, I end up going to bed. I, I pray for protection. I pray, um, like, just make me aware of something that may be hidden, anything like that. So then, um, fast forward the next day, I tell David about it. He's like, oh that's powerful. That's his main saying. (laughs) And um, so I was like, yeah, but I don't know what it means at all. And he was like, well, you know, the bathroom is, the knock is a wake up call You know, uh, you know, it can mean lots of things. Um, It could be the key of David. It could be um, the bathroom speaks of like refining what the Lord wants to do in our lives and our church, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, that's great. But nothing was resonating with me. And then, um, and this is part of the process, this is part of the discovery, I had to seek. So I'm I'm having quiet time with the Lord, and I'm like, I know you meant something by waking me up at 2.22, because you've never done that. Um, and so I'm praying and I'm looking, and I come across the the parable of the wedding feast, which is Matthew 22. And as soon as I read that verse, it was like a light bulb went off. And like I don't know if you've ever had that happen when you're reading the Word. You could be reading something you've read a bazillion times, and it was like, yeah, that's great. It's like a wedding. Um, but this time I was like, ah, that's what you're trying to tell me. Like the kingdom of heaven that we're supposed to have here on earth is like a wedding feast. Like. I don't know why that didn't hit me so strongly as it did now. And then I just started getting like way more in depth in what that means. And for more confirmation was that I had a wedding that the time of the knocking incident was the week, the first weekend was Felicia's wedding. The next weekend, the very next weekend was my sister's wedding, which David officiated both weddings. So I'm like weddings, you know, (laughs) he's just screaming weddings and kingdom of heaven. So here we are. I decided that the series was going to be called Come to the Table, and it was going to be a lifestyle of celebration. So let's look at uh, Matthew 22, verse 1. Um, And it says, and again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, um, saying... The kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. And so here they're t- comparing, it's obviously God and um, preparing a feast, uh, a banquet for Jesus. Um, and so if they're comparing heaven to a wedding feast. And so we have to think about what does a wedding feast represent? And I'm not going to get so deep theologically with you because there's so much. I was telling Lauren Haynes, there's so much to a wedding feast that when I get reading on it and I think and I study that I'm like, it's too much to even get out there on a Sunday morning. So I'm going to keep it real basic and focus on the component that we really see in the natural, which is Um, weddings are a time of celebration and love and joy, coming to a table, um, breaking bread together and celebrating a union that we all believe in. So that's as basic as I'm going to summarize that. Um, So uh, then in, uh, so we're, we're thinking heaven is supposed to be like, heaven's like that, and then we look at Matthew 6:10, where it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're supposed to have these heavenly, this heavenly celebrating lifestyle on earth. Yeah. And it's like, that's great. That sounds so great. Doesn't that get you excited? But it's like, that's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. And it's funny that this whole series came to, came to us in the hardest season of our lives. Um, just thinking about the season of life gets to me. It's like the Lord when you uh, He wants you to speak on things that you're going through because that's where you get your freedom and that's where other people get theirs. So we're supposed to have King Heaven on Earth. We're supposed to be celebrating. Um, And even when things don't look great and things are going wrong continuously, we've got to have this lifestyle of celebration. So heaven on earth, um, and so what does that look like? And so I love that Jesus talks so much in parables, and he talks about Jesus was like a major partier. Um, And he was like always at parties. Um, And I love parties. Even though I'm an introvert, I still do like to celebrate it, believe it or not, David, um, so <laughs> there's this, uh, book that I love and you guys should really check into it. It's called Bringing Heaven to Earth, uh, by Josh Ross and Jonathan Stormit. I'll tell you afterwards, but it talks a lot about Jesus parties and, um, kingdom living and how to bring heaven on earth, obviously. So I'm just going to read this passage because they said it so perfectly well that I was like, man, just, I'm just going to read it. Um we're talking about heaven and celebrations and parties, this has a lot to do with it. Um, if you can read one of the Gospels without getting hungry, you're not paying attention. Jesus is always going to or coming from a party. He's always eating, and he's frequently in trouble with the religious establishment over the people he partied with and how much he was partying. It's much different than most Christian gatherings today. So... But today, Jesus' followers have a different kind of re- reputation. Most people in the West picture Christians much like they were um, as Puritans, um, you know, too afraid to be too happy, especially in church. Um, this is not an accurate picture. If you are trying to faithfully follow Jesus, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, "Here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners." Parties were that. Parties were what set Jesus apart. We tend to think religious people need to be otherworldly, otherworldly, but Jesus' party like this world mattered. Um, God gave Israel seasons for feasting and times to be grateful for the gift of life. He asked them to set aside a portion of their income to finance parties worthy of the name. And how about us? He has given us more than enough reason to celebrate. God insists that we drop the question, what ha- don't I have, for better ones like, what, why do I have so much, and why has God, God been so good to me? So God knows um, we struggle with um, that we're not inclined to party. We haven't had enough practice, at least with Jesus parties. Jesus parties are the ones that do not exclude certain people, Jesus' parties take into account grief, sorrow, disappointment. In fact, people going through hard times have been a a high priority on Jesus' guest list. If you have any hope of joining Jesus in in his kingdom work on earth, we have to learn how to party. Jesus specialized in gathering all the wrong people in all the wrong places. He would gather in the hated tax collectors and the shamed prostitutes to the table, break some bread, and say, this is what heaven looks like. Okay, so back to Matthew um, 22. I love that because that's the whole vision I got. It's like we're all welcome at the table, um, and it's a table of love, and it's not a table of measuring up. It's we're all welcome, and we can all choose to join in. So well let's look at... Verse three and talk are we there? Yeah. So there he 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 sets up this wedding feast for his son and then he sends out his servants basically. I'm gonna go a little faster on this part. He sends out his servants to invite the first guests, which were the Jews who were super religious and um kind of uptight. And so um they didn't take the invite. They didn't even consider the invite to this wedding banquet. So then we look at verse 4 through 5, and he, he says he sends out his servants again to the same group. And he's like, this time he's telling them, he's enticing He's like, tell them. Basically, tell them everything's ready. The best of the best is ready at this table. You know, come to the table. Choose to come to the table. And the servants are going out to ask them again. And this time, they're too busy. Um, They're too busy with the here and now, their jobs, the farm work, whatever, that they just get too busy to even come to the party. So again, they're denied. They deny the invite to this wedding feast. Um, And then... He he says this time to his servants. I'm leaving out some details just to get to the main points. Um, He says this time to his servants, now this time just go out and get anyone. Don't even worry about the the same people you've invited, anyone off the streets. The good, the bad, um, you know, the prostitute, whoever. Everyone is welcome to the table. So they go and they get enough people um, to the table. And so finally the table is full. And then we look at verses 11 through 13. Um, but when the king came in to view the guest, he looked intently at a man there who had on no wedding garments. And he said, friend, how did you come in here without putting on the appropriate wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then it goes on to say the really not fun part of this whole story, which is that he gets cast into other utter darkness with gnashing of teeth and blah blah blah. We don't even want to talk about it. Who likes talking about that? But it's a reality. So um, the the man wasn't wasn't wearing the proper garments. When I first read this story Way back, I just was like, how rude. I thought this was a loving God. Why does it matter what you're wearing? Like, (laughs) when you first read it, when you first, when you don't know the whole background or what it means, that's, your natural instinct is to say that's just rude. Like, I I thought this was a loving God and everybody was welcome. He said everyone come to the table and now he's being picky about what you're wearing. Um, But, (laughs) but I mean, maybe it's just me. No one else thought that ever. So, um. Then once you start looking at it, and I looked in um, the Passion Translation, and then we looked in the um, the Glow Bible, which David's all about, uh, you'll find out the cool thing about that is that the people that were invited off of the streets... <laughs> it's all about the Glow Bible. The people that were um, invited from off of the streets were um, given the proper garments to wear. And no people don't know that, and so it's a big, big... Um, factor of this whole story. They had a choice to put on the right wedding garments to be prepared for the ultimate feast with the king. But the one man chose not to put it on. So it all comes down to a choice. And the Passion Bible says, um, our, our king provides garments. Obviously, but it's our, our choice to put them on. And then it says, everyone is invited to enter, but few respond with excellence. So there's a better way. There's a more excellent way to live. And we have to choose to live it. So what are the garments look like? I mean, the truth is we have to look at Romans 10, 9 through 10. I know it's basic, but this is where it comes in. The, what does it look like to wear the be ready for his coming and ready for the table? Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord in your heart, believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the truth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's to me, it's more than a prayer. I know this is a big thing in the Christian faith. Um, and even if you don't want to say it's just it's, it, it can just come down to a prayer, whether or not you enter in the kingdom... I mean, let's think about the choices. If you just say a prayer and then you live contrary to the belief, then you have a hell on earth. And you might make it if you want. If, I mean, it doesn't matter what you believe, I guess. If you, you might make it. But then you choose, like, the alternative is a life on earth that is not the fullest, that is not the best way you could live. Um, there's so much better. We can have glimpses of heaven on earth here. So... But I believe that it's a, it's a heart condition. I believe we say the prayer, we confess with our mouth, and we believe that he died for our sins and that he loves us. Um, and then we walk it out through that love and belief. We walk it out because it's a, it's a belief that we, that we know in the deepest part of us. And so there's no, it's not so much of a measuring up to get to a spot on the table. It's a natural way out of love that just naturally flows out of you. It's more than a prayer, it's transformation to become a new man. So it says, your old man has passed away when you say this prayer, and a new man is created. And that's what it means to be prepared. Um, And then in verse 14, it says, many are called, but few are chosen. Um, So everyone's invited, but you have to to respond with excellence. You have to choose to put on the right garments. There is a more excellent way. It's an intentional lifestyle. A death to yourself and becoming alive when you walk in his ways. So death equals life. Um, But the good news is it's not like a striving. It's not like a, I want to be so good so I can be the chosen. We're all called, and we can easily be, chosen, and we can easily live kingdom life here and make it to heaven to extend that life. We don't stop in heaven either. It's not a retirement home. Um, so, I mean, I, I was seriously, a lot of people are like, I know that's off subject, but a lot of people are like, we just get there, and then we just fly around with wings and sing all day. But no, there's work there too, and it's fun. It doesn't stop. Um, off subject. So anyway, we... Um, it's not just our strength. Uh, we don't have to just keep trying to measure up, to be good enough to wear these proper garments to be acceptable, be chosen. We have a helper. He said, "I'm going, but I'm leaving a helper. I'm leading a guide um, for you. And he's a comforter. And so um, whenever we're dependent on the Holy Spirit, it produces the fruit, and we all know, we all sing the song, and it sounds cheesy, but if you think about that, if you're dependent on the Holy Spirit, meaning, real practically speaking, like in everything you do, there's, there's, you know how you don't know sometimes what to do, and you, your mind's going crazy, and you're thinking a bunch of things, and you're like, I can't hear the voice of the Lord, um, but if you were, um, if you call out and say, I want to be led, like, show me, Lord, what what's the right way. Um, I'm dependent on you. And it's that deep down knowing that you can't argue with. And you just know you're supposed to do something, even if it doesn't make sense all the time. That's the Holy Spirit. That's conviction. That's being led by the Holy Spirit. That's what it looks like to be dependent. And when we're dependent, we have these fruits in our life, like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And when we're dependent on ourselves, just put everything opposite of those fruits. So think about instead of love, you're full of hate and anger. Instead of long-suffering, um, you know, you just think of everything. Instead of peace, you're anxious. Instead of joy, you're sad. I mean. It's a very sad it sounds very childlike to just say it's opposite but it really is it really is that simple you're dependent on the holy spirit the lord to lead you you walk in that fr- that freedom and you walk in all the fruit and you have reason to celebrate it's a lifestyle that it's a lifestyle that produces fruit and when you have the fruit you want to celebrate you want it's easier like even in the midst of the struggling and the suffering that we've went through we just keep pressing through and and we, have, we still have so much reason to celebrate. That's right. So b- being dependent on the Holy Spirit and not ourselves. But let's face it, the world is crazy right now. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of chaos. And it seems contrary to be like, let's live this lifestyle of celebration. So we're going to look at, um, okay, so life's crazy. We have these struggles. I feel like I've touched on that enough, but like, you know we'll just just put and anyone in this room could be dealing with death uh, loss debt um, anything sickness a bad uh, a report from the doctor and so what do we do in those negative situations we know i think we know for the most part what to do but how do we celebrate in that in that when it doesn't look like that at all so let's look at habakkuk So we're going to King James Version because there's a certain word I really like. So Habakkuk 3 um, through 17, well, before we start with that one, he, he... Earlier in the chapter, he's talking about, like, how long, Lord? How long do I ask? When will you come through? When are you going to bring justice? Like, he's like, I want to see justice now. Everything around him is falling apart. And he's like, how long will I wait? And, like, we all get that. It's like, how long does it take? His timing is never our timing. There's so many times we just don't understand um, why, why things aren't dealt with and why bad things happen. But in verses 17 he says though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls yet i will rejoice in the lord i will i will joy in the god of my salvation the lord god is my strength he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills. So that part is not necessary in this right now. Um, I, I thought the King James Version said what I wanted it to, but maybe it didn't. So when it says deer's feet, there's a version, it might be New King, New King James, but what it means is hind's feet. So I don't know what version, why that's not saying that. When I read it in my Bible, it was King James hind's feet. Anyway, that's what it means. The original version says hind's feet. So just in case you needed to know about deer, I got some information for you. A hind is a female deer, also known as a red deer. I love that it's, that he used a female deer too. I mean, what, there's something to that. Um, and so the hind's feet, when he says he's gonna give you hind's feet to get to high places, um, you think about the hind's um, back feet, what it means is that the back feet can g- land exactly, not even an inch or half an inch off of where the front feet had been. Does that make any sense? So whenever he, get, he it's it's showing us that the deer is a, it's a mountainous deer that got, was able to travel up, like, mountainous terrain and get up to high places. And so with a, this female deer called the hind, his, the feet that he gives us, it's kind of like a spiritual feat, you know? He's going to give us uh, the ability to get to high places and safety um, in our time of trouble. So then you go into thinking about once you're in a high place, how much your perspective changes. So... Habakkuk. Um, so Habakkuk made it, so he chose, he chose to rejoice and celebrate. He put his faith in and believe in the Lord and his hope was not condition-based. That's the main point is that it was rooted in the belief that his good, of his goodness. And because his hope wasn't condition-based, he was able to rejoice and believe and have a breakthrough and have a better perspective to get through the hard times. Um, so many times people are just like believing the Lord's faithful if. And I know we know not to blame the Lord, but we still do it in ways that are a little more subtle. If you have that miraculous baby that you've been believing for, the Lord is so faithful. But if you're, you have a death in the family too early, I mean, you, you're not so quick to say he's faithful. So, I mean, it's dependent, sometimes it's dependent on your situation when our hope remains the same. Our hope should remain the same in him, despite the condition of our lives. Um, And so once you have this better perspective, I love that song, our confidence is in your faithfulness. So once you have the better perspective, your confidence is in his faithfulness. You believe that he's faithful no matter what it looks like in life. And so when you have this better perspective, this God perspective, you know that he restores. You just know that. So you know even in the middle of your trial, you already know it's going to be restored in the end. You already know he's going to make beauty from the ashes. So there's, in the midst, it's hard, but you already know what it looks like on the other side. The Lord, It was Jesus who had the best perspective to press into the pain of the cross to get to the other side because he knew what the other side would bring. The joy that would be on the other side. So it's about living in the tension that life is beauty and pain. So I get it. Really, I get it. I get the beauty. I get the pain. Um, So when we have this God perspective, we know that my life scripture pretty much is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It gets me emotional every time. His grace is our empowerment. And people don't think of grace as empowerment. I know grace is empowerment. It's like a literal, almost tangible power to overcome. When you're so weak, you're at your weakest, and he comes and he literally carries you through. His grace is made perfect. His power is made perfect in your weakness. And so it doesn't matter how broken you are. You can always just depend on that. You can say, make your, you know, make your grace perfect. I'm depending. I'm looking for you. We look for Jesus in the darkness. We look for Jesus when we're the most broken, and he literally comes and carries you. So living in the tension, celebrating Life, even when it's hard, when there's death, there's still life. There's still beauty. Let's look at James one through, one three through four. And this is Message Bible. Every now and then, I use the Message Bible. Consider it a sheer a gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. The point on this one is that so many people are afraid to feel pain, and I think the reason people were surprised with how well I... I overcame to an extent the pain that I had is that I embraced it fully is that I sat alone with the Lord and I cried I didn't go check out I didn't go drink my sorrows away um, and numb the pain I embraced the pain and so I think when we're able to just fully embrace the pain and let it mold you, that's you should be more afraid of avoiding pain because when you avoid pain, you never transform. You never grow. So I can speak about pain at a whole nother level these days. And I don't want you to know that level. But if you do, you can consider it a joy because you're going to have a fuller understanding of his, of his strength and his love for you. And that it doesn't matter how bad it looks in the natural. It never matters if you just fully embrace the pain you push through. And on the other side is beauty. On the other side is transformation and growth that you can never get if you keep avoiding the pain. You never sit and let them talk to you and heal your heart. If you just keep going, going, going and avoiding the pain. It's the worst possible route. It's a longer route. So... The brutal doesn't break us because his beauty sustains us. So we just think about the spiritual speed, being able to get to the higher places, better getting the God perspective. That's how we live a lifestyle of celebration. We think about bringing it back to the table and feasts and parties. The Bible is full of them, and Jesus is always in the middle of the party. And He wants to be at the party here. He He's the center of the reason we live now. So why wouldn't we make a party around it? You know, like why wouldn't it be a celebration? Just think of His presence is here, um, and our ultimate wedding day is going to come. But we can live in the beauty of of his presence now and we can um, party like he did. We can invite everyone to the table. It doesn't mean that I can only witness to somebody that has my color hair and eyes and that's white. It means that I can talk to, I can invite anyone to my realm just like you can invite anyone to your realm of influence. The table's open for everyone and it's a table of love. It's all of this isn't my message. I didn't want this to be like measure up so you can get chosen. It's it's my message is that he loves you so much that he wants you to come. He's begging you. He's saying, "Look, I've prepared a feast. I want you at this table." And we just have to choose to walk in the grace. Choose to walk into his grace that he's already given you. It's a grace walk. It's like I I'm empowered to live this life and it's not such a burden. Let's just take the weight off of us right now. It's not like we have to just keep doing so much just to get a spot at this table. No, it's I love you. You love me. I'm accepting your love in my life. I'm accepting your guidance. I'm choosing a better life and thank you for my spot at the table.